RN, Pause, Renew, Next, a podcast about soul care, scripture, and stories of faith. I'm Jenny Detweiler, and friends, welcome to the last episode of season three of the PRN podcast. If you've listened to all the episodes, good for you. You made it to the end. And if you haven't, there's a lot for you to go back and listen to while we take off for the summer season. PRN will be back in August with a brand new season, season four. And friends, you can expect that it will look quite a bit different than it does right now. I think I'm going to be revamping a few things. It'll be all good, though. Don't you even worry. I cannot wait to show you what's coming. Today's episode is a great conversation with a real-life friend, Melissa Lewis. Now, I have actually known her husband, Todd, for years. We went to college together. He has worked with my husband. They're good friends. And so getting to know her has been a complete joy. She has a really, really interesting story and has had some pretty awesome life experiences. And so I can't wait to share those with you today. So without further ado, let's jump into the conversation. Well, Melissa, welcome to the podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, so my name is Melissa Lewis. I got married about a year ago, almost a year ago now, here at your house. (laughs) COVID wedding. Um, So, and I had previously, I'd lived in Costa Rica for several years as a missionary, moved back to the Charlotte, North Carolina area about two and a half years ago. So now I'm making a new life with my husband. Awesome. I cannot believe it's been two and a half years since you moved back. It doesn't seem that long to me. It might seem that long to you. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes it seems crazy. And then you think an entire pandemic happened in there and you're like, yeah, I guess it has been a while. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I feel like this year put everything on pause. That's true. Yeah. So I'm excited to talk to you partly because you're a real life friend and we've met each other before (laughs) and you did get married here. So that's fun. But I am really interested to talk to you about your time in Costa Rica and what you did there. Can you share about how you ended up going to Costa Rica? Like, how did God lead you there? Yeah. So when I graduated from college, this will be kind of the medium-length version. I'll try not to make it too long. But when I graduated from college, um, I moved to Charlotte. I got a job, started working. I will tell you, like, the first day, I was like, ah. I don't know if I really want to be doing this. It was in um, like the financial industry and just realized really quickly uh, that I really wasn't passionate about it. Um, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. That was sort of a theme even in, in college. I double majored because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And um, I was just trying to figure that out and figure myself out. And so I I continued the job, but I was praying all along. Okay, God, what do you want for me? Um, I got involved at my local church and was volunteering with the youth and just really loved that aspect of what I was doing. It was probably the most most fulfilling and most like purposeful part of my life at that point. Of course, building relationships and all the things you do um, in your early 20s, but just really wasn't content in what I was doing and knew that God had something else. Um, and just sort of a series of time praying and meeting with different people, God sort of slowly narrowed my vision towards missions. Um, And then I didn't have a particular place picked out, but um, God opened the door with Costa Rica through a family from my church. Um, They had already been there um, serving in Costa Rica when I met them Um, for about a year. They were back on what we call home assignment, um, visiting my church. And I'd been praying about missions and I thought, I'm just going to go meet them and 
tell them I'm thinking about missions and see what happens. And so one thing leads to another. And next thing I knew, I was raising funds to go there and to work with them for initially a couple of years. Um, so, so yeah, it was very much God just kind of opening the right doors at the right times. It was a slow process. I mean, I think from my initial realization that, oh man, I don't really want to work in the financial industry long-term to actually leaving for the field was probably at least three and a half years. So it was, it was a process. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) And you were there for how long? Eight? Um, almost nine. Okay. Wow. That's a long time. Yeah. It's crazy. The majority of my adult, adult life so far. So yeah, it's a big part. Now, did you speak Spanish before you went? I did know some. I had studied it all through high school, loved it, thought about even minoring it in college and just didn't, didn't love the classes, didn't really connect um, with the professors and was like, oh, I don't know that I'll need it anyway. Um, so it was fun to go and at least have a, a general knowledge, um, a basis for it when I got there. But I did do um, four months of language school um, when I first arrived so that I could really like boost the, the language skills and practice and get immersed. Yeah. Okay, so my sister spent some time in Costa Rica, and she loved it. Yeah. And isn't their motto Pura Vida or yes. something like that? Pura which, yeah. which means what? It means pure life, yeah. but they use it, you know, it can. you could use that to say hello. You could, If somebody asks how you're doing, you say Pura Vida. Like, just just say things are good. Like, That's Life's so good. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Um, so when you were there, what all did you do? Because I know you worked a little bit with trafficking, right? I did. Yeah, that was the last couple of years. Um, I worked with an anti-trafficking ministry that was really, we we're mostly focused on prevention. And so working in communities where low-income kids maybe didn't have as much access to resources, education in the same way. And so um, prevention programs there, um, we did awareness. Um, we did a little bit of work with people working in, in prostitution as well, um, just building relationships and um, sharing the love of Christ with them. And so it was a really interesting and eye-opening time. Um, and prior to that, they were kind of different. I did um, youth ministry with an international youth group for a while. So that was something I never thought I would do there. Um, and I actually started out doing communications oh. uh, for our our mission organization in Latin America. So I, it really like shifted over time where, where God had me there. Yeah. So... So I'm interested to know about Costa Rican culture, which is completely different, I feel like, than probably Charlotte. Yes. Okay. Yeah. What, what are some of the differences or what are the things that you loved about it? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, it is really different. It is, you know, you hear like Latino cultures are very like warm cultures. And so it's very relationship oriented. Um, whereas we tend as people in North America to be more time oriented and task oriented, they're more relationship family oriented really matters. So even as you see it in like the greetings, you walk into a room and if there are six people in the room, there's 20 people in the room, you're really supposed to greet everybody individually with the, it's, they say kiss on the cheek. It's not really a kiss. It's a, you know, you put your cheek to cheek um, with them. And that is, you know, the appropriate way to say hello to people and to acknowledge everyone in the room or Another, this is just a small way, but, you know, you're sending a text message to somebody, you know, a lot of times if I were texting you, I might be like, okay, Jenny, like, what do I need to bring? Um, But in Costa Rica, the more appropriate way would just start out and kind of make small talk almost like, hey, how are you doing? How's your family? Hope you're having a good day. And then kind of come around to like, well, this is really why I was reaching out um, to ask what I should bring. Yeah. And so we're, 
um, we're a lot more direct and to the point. Um, and in Costa Rica, they're a lot more indirect um, in every aspect. So conflict, very conflict avoidant. Um, if I have a conflict with you, you know, maybe I'm going to tell your sister about it, your mom, your friend, sort of like let it get back to you, um, but maybe not approach you directly about it. So that can be good or bad. Um, you know, I think as, as, again, North Americans, we can be too direct. Um, yeah, and sometimes. And really, um, really come across harsh in their, in their culture um, or even with each other. But, you know, that, that was a learning curve for sure, learning how to just deal even with saying no to somebody to do something, you know, like to say no directly wasn't always the acceptable way. It was to say, well, maybe, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll be there. Even if I knew I had a wedding I was going to that day or a totally different commitment, I might not tell you like, well, I just can't be there. So you're like, oh, well, you know, that sounds fun. I'd love to. Maybe I'll come. Um, And so that was, that was a big difference um, in culture. So hospitality, they're all about like, yeah. Being with very people. hospitable. Yeah, there's food at everything. Open like, doors. Yeah, you can just walk in. Um, or not really. No. Well, so the interesting thing. So in San Jose, where I lived, um, like literally not open doors. Like everybody has gates and oh. you know bars on the windows and things. It's just a safety, a safety thing. Um, conscious kind of of that. Um, and so there can't be sort of this difference between there's like a friendliness, but there's also sort of a like I keep my you know closest people close to me. And maybe keep everything else on the surface. So, um, and that maybe maybe is not indicative of all Latino cultures, but I think that's that is true um, in Costa Rica. That I'm um, kind of getting in deeper could be hard um, huh. with with people. So you really had to earn earn that place with them. Um, but they're very open. Like they're very very forgiving. Even you know, I think in, in Costa Rica at least your Spanish isn't perfect, and they are so encouraging. Oh my gosh, you speak perfectly. You're <laughs> wonderful at this and you're like wow that makes me feel really good I know I just made mistakes in everything I just said but and and didn't get it quite right but you are gonna encourage me and tell me that I am the best that you've heard at speaking this language and just make me feel so good so um so they're very sweet um so yeah there's I mean I could definitely go into to more cultural differences I feel like I got off on the tangent about relationships but I love a big one to talk about food like in other cultures, because I feel like food is a big part of culture. Yes. Which I don't even know what the United States food is. It's a weird conglomeration. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> so what are the things that you really loved there yeah. as far as food? Oh, man. One of my favorite things is they have a breakfast, um, the, like a traditional breakfast, and it's called gallo pinto. And it's like a beans and rice, you know, made with other things. But... And you'd never think, you know, prior to that, I'd never think about eating beans and rice for breakfast, but it is so good with eggs on the side. So I love that. Um, they eat a lot of plantains. Um, and so that's something that's good. Tons of fresh fruit and vegetables, as you might imagine, like being yeah. in the tropics, the fruit is incredible. Uh, so those are things that I particularly liked. But yeah, I think their food in general um, is a sort of a fairly standard like beans, rice, Maybe some chicken, you know, some some fruits and vegetables. Pretty standard, kind of basic, okay. basic food, but it was good. Yeah. yeah. So I'm interested in knowing what it's been like to move back to the U.S. from that because I've heard other people 
who've moved back. It's almost like a culture shock. Mm -hmm. But I know that you came back for like six months, moved back for a period of time, moved back again. So maybe you got to ease back in. But what was that like moving back? Yeah, I would definitely say the fact that I lived in a country that left me close enough to the U.S. to visit somewhat regularly. I would come back usually my whole time there, at least a couple times a year for minimum, say a week at a time, but maybe even up to a month. Um, And then, yeah, a year before I moved back, I did come back for six months, sort of exploring this feeling, the pull that God might be ending my time there, but really feeling like it was home and having a hard time making that decision, living on the field, thinking like, well, I love Costa Rica. Like, why would I leave this place? Um, So I came back to kind of explore that with him and to really pray through it. Um, And so I do think, I think that made my ultimate transition back a little bit easier. Um, And just in terms of I had been there recently, I kind of experienced some of the things um, that may come with the culture shock. Um, But it's still like there is a sense for sure of not fully fitting in anymore. Um, I think particularly having moved back to Charlotte, which is where I lived prior to going to the field, not only was I almost a decade older, so just a very different stage of life, um, but my last almost decade had been really formed living in this other culture. Um, And so just kind of like, what is my place here? Like, where do I fit in? Um, You know, a lot of my, a lot of friends that I haven't lived here before weren't even in Charlotte anymore. Um, And those that were, you know, we'd all, we'd moved on with our lives. And so may may still have a good relationship, but it wasn't, you know, the same. And so kind of figuring that out, what does community look like? You know, who are my, who are the people that I go to? Where, you know, do I want to stay at this church? Do I want to, you know, do I feel like that's where God has me? And there's just a lot of, a lot of, um, I wouldn't even say turmoil. It wasn't necessarily bad. It was just a lot of processing that had to happen in terms of like, what does it look like to live here again? Not just visit and like make this my home again. Like trust that God has me here for a reason. So, yeah. So yeah, it was definitely, it was a process, um. So along with that, let's talk about the juicy stuff. Because yeah. when you were back visiting is when you met your now husband, yes. right? Yes, yes. Okay, so you want to talk about that? How did that all come about? Yeah. Speaking um, of God calling you back to the U.S. Right, <laughs> yeah. So I came back to explore this idea of moving back. And, you know, at that point, I'm in my mid-30s. And I'd had a desire to get married at some point, and it felt like, okay, this desire has been deferred, and, you know, tr- trying to, really even wrestling sometimes with trusting God in that, like, is this, am I supposed to be single, am I supposed to be single forever, you know, quote unquote, is, you know, does he have that for me, and, and, you know, really just that friends, friends were encouraging me, like, why don't you try online dating when you're back, you're gonna be back for six months, like, just give it a try, like, what's the harm, and, um, you know, several years prior, I'd been very resistant to that. I think when, when online dating was newer, it was like, oh, no way. Like, I would never. Um, but I thought, you know what? Why not? I'm back. I've got time. It's impossible to meet people. It felt like that, at least. Yeah. Um, particularly yeah. in your 30s. Um, how do you meet people? Particularly <laughs> when you haven't been living there. You don't really have that network of people. So I thought, why not? It'll be fun. So, and mostly it was, it was just sort of a fun activity, like a get to know some people, kind of even learning a little bit more about dating culture in, in the States again and, and that sort of thing. But yeah, ultimately, um, Todd and I got matched on eHarmony and we met and he was living an hour and 15 minutes from where I was. So it was one of those very much a God thing that would we have met otherwise? I mean, God is big enough to do that, but it certainly we wouldn't, I, would, I don't see a natural path that that would have right, happened. Right. And we didn't have overlapping communities or anything like that. So, um, so yeah, we started dating about, about 
two months or so before I went back to Costa Rica for about five to six months. Um, so yeah, it was a, an interesting point to jump into a relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he came and visited you and everything, and then we knew, okay, this is for real. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's doing this long-term thing. Yeah, because he's a long-term friend of yours. Yes. Um, you all have known each other since college, yes. so that's how we know each other. Um, yeah, so you, you guys got, got got to see the whole thing unfold. Yeah, it was one of those, I mean, I was really upfront. The things they tell you not to do when you're online dating, right? Like, pretty upfront, like... By the way, like, I'm leaving again in a couple months, so, you know, no pressure, but if we're going to try this, like, we got to, like, we're going to have to work at it. Like, it's going to be hard. Um, So, yeah, but he did. He came and visited, which was huge. He got to see this huge piece of my heart, which is, you know, Costa Rica and experience, little aspects of that. Um, So even though we can share that today, that that it's something that he's at least got a, a picture in his mind. He knows the last place I lived in terms of you know, the house and the neighborhood and, um, and got to see some of my favorite places in the country and, and things like that. Meet a few of the people, go to my church, um, which I absolutely loved. And, um, so to get to share that, but yeah, I mean, we FaceTimed almost every day. I mean, Aww. it was like, you know, a relationship that really was built on communication and learning how to communicate and, and yeah. And, and having to decide, like we fought for it, like we're making a decision cause this is not easy and this is not like the most fun way to, to really build this. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so give him a lot of credit for, for being willing. I think when he got into online dating, he probably didn't expect to have to do a long-distance relationship. So It was worth it to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so you guys got married in the middle of a pandemic, which I'm mm-hmm. sure, like now, is more ironic to me than it was before because you just talked about being in Costa Rica and how every, everybody's open and, yeah. <laughs> like, everything's communal. And then you get married in the middle of a pandemic in Charlotte and your life is completely different. Like, you're in a house with one person all the time. Yep. What has that been like for you? I mean, I know the yeah. pandemic's been different for everyone, so it's not just you. But. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's funny. We got engaged three weeks before lockdown started <laughs> in March, so um, end of February, and you know, we were all so, like, naive about it initially, like, oh, it's going to be fine. Like, (laughs) it's a little blowover, right? Like, we had no idea. Um, But, yeah, so I think what was cool is, A, like, we were both really committed, like, hey, we're still, we'd chosen the date kind of right before the lockdown, too, and we're like, you know what, whether the pandemic is going on or not, like, we're still going to get married then. Um, But it made looking for a house really hard. Like, we couldn't even look for the first couple months. We're like, well, where are we going to live? I had a roommate in Charlotte, and he was living in Hickory, and it's like, we don't have anywhere to live when we get married. We're going to have to figure that out. And, um, but God was so good. He provided that. And so, yeah, we moved, uh, moved into the house and shortly after we got married and it, it was with the pandemic, like it's really just been the two of us a lot of the time. (laughs) Like we're just now starting to feel like we can have people over and kind of do some of the things that matter to us in terms of relationship. Um, so it's been slow in that sense, building community for us in Charlotte, like community, has not been easy to build when you can't really spend quality time with people. And, you know, Todd not having lived there before even, at least I had a little bit of basis going in, um, but he didn't. And so, again, to give him a lot of credit, like he jumped into something where it's like, all right, this is going to be a lot of just us for a while. Um, and so it's been it's been really good. We've learned a lot I uh, bet. <laughs> about each other. And, um, you know, I mean, it's too, like, Two people in their mid to late 30s getting married to like we're pretty set in our ways <laughs> so um so we've been 
been slowly kind of learning how to just how to live with another person well. Um, I think everybody has to do that. Yeah, but yeah. I think, you know, you, you accumulate probably some some set kind of habits and right. ideas about how life looks um, the longer you're you're an adult on your own kind of thing. So mm-hmm. so that's been fun even just to try to merge that and figure out like what does our family look like and what does our culture look like. So um, so all that would have happened even without the pandemic. But I think the pandemic has in some ways probably assisted us in just like making that a reality because we haven't been able to just like run off and do something else (laughs) or like get away from each other. But no, it's been, it's been really good. Good. Um, so what are you up to these days? Cause you came back from Costa Rica and had to find a new job. Jobs maybe is what I should say. Yeah. What are you guys doing now? Yeah. So yeah, I, I think that was one of the hardest things about coming back actually. And I I didn't mention that before was I didn't really know what was next. Like I had started to feel this pull even a couple of years before I moved back of like, maybe it's time. Um, and then yeah, God confirmed that while I was home and then brought Todd into my life, which felt like further confirmation. And then I got back and I'm like, all right, God, like, what do you have for me? I really wanted to be in ministry of some sort or nonprofit work. I'd been doing the work with the human trafficking organization and um, just really felt called to continue to serve people and, um, be engaged in, in some sort of, of work with people, but, um, but really wasn't sure like where my place was in that. And, and it was in some ways harder to figure out than I thought it would be. Um, as I was waiting, I took on a couple of other like part-time jobs, um, ended up deciding to take kind of my interest in photography and I'd done photography kind of on the side for a while and turn it into a side business. So got that going, um, shortly before I finally actually found a job. Um, and I actually ended up working for my church. Um, we're multi, it's a long, kind of a long story and interesting story with the church, but, um, multi-site church. Uh, and I work for one of the campuses and we're in an area of town where, and we initially were meeting in elementary school. We can't do that anymore. But, um, in that elementary school is a good example of what that part of town looks like. There was more than 40 nations represented within the kids, um, more than 40 languages spoken, I think even. Um, That's amazing. And so it's a very diverse area where immigrants from all over the world um, and including refugees have come and resettled. And so um, just our heart and part of my job in that is, um, is just looking at ways to reach into that community. We figure you know, as Christians, like we, we can't expect people to just come, like, come be part of our Sunday service. Like, I don't know why, you know, why would somebody necessarily want to do that? But, um, but we can go and we can build relationship where they are. We can get to know them in their context and, and love them. And so even, even locally um, in Charlotte, there's a way for us to go to the nations. Um, And so, so I've loved that. Um, We're in a bit of a transition um, as a church right now with that, with that campus and sort of figuring things out, but just really like, looking to trust God that there's still places for us there in that community, we hope, and, and pray. And so that's been that's been a big part of what I've been doing uh, in the last almost, I guess it's been a year, year and a half now, I think that I've been on staff there and really, really enjoying that. That's really so, cool. Yeah. It's neat how God can take some of the work you've done before and put you in a place where you can use some of those same skills, but in a different way. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it's been one of the community. We've really been focusing on reaching into a particular apartment complex where it's highly um, Spanish speaking. And so that's been really fun um, because that's something I miss so much. Like moving back was like even just not having that interaction 
um, in Spanish with people. And so even, even something as simple as that, like just seeing the goodness of God and how he provides and brings us into the places he wants us. Mm-hmm. So I'm really thankful for that. Okay, Melissa, I ask all of my guests a couple of questions. Okay. Um, <laughs> one of them is about soul care. And the reason, I mean, I was kind of already doing this, but I started making it more of an effort because mm-hmm. I did a survey a few months ago mm-hmm. about what are the things that my listeners really are interested in. And soul care came out number one. Like people, mm-hmm. probably partly because it was in the middle of a pandemic, maybe, and everybody's <laughs> stressed out. I don't know. But yeah. that was a big deal. And I think as women, we don't always do a great job of that. Yeah. So I don't expect that you have this whole thing figured out when it comes to soul care. But what mm-hmm. are some of the practices that you're doing lately that feel good for you or that are helpful for you and your soul and your body, your mind? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Yeah. I definitely don't have it all figured out, um, but do know how important it is. And I feel like I'll stress it to other people and then I'll be like, hey, you've got to work on this yourself. But um, yeah, I'd say one of the biggest things I have to, I've like recognized even and having kind of right now, I basically have three jobs um, and trying to balance all of that. And I, you know, I don't have kids even at this point, but it's still hard. Like managing my own life can be hard. It's really making sure that I set it aside at times. So that's a big part for me of soul care is just making sure because there's always something that could be done. Um, I think we all have that no matter what stage of life we're in. Probably there's always that one more thing that could be done um, and making time um, right now. Obviously, it's time for prayer and, and time in the, in the word, which some days do better than others on. Um, but also, I mean, it's beautiful outside right now getting out. We have a we are really blessed. We have a beautiful yard um, and we're looking at trying to make it more beautiful. And so just being out in nature and getting to step outside and breathe fresh air. And that's something my husband and I are doing together that we like. And so getting to spend that time with him has been really refreshing. I think just as a good like brain break um, for me. And then I'm just maybe like values good conversation. Like I want to go deeper. Um, And so I think for me, just making sure I'm making space for that too. So whether it's um, for a friend or, you know, a family member or someone, but just making sure I don't leave that out. So going to get coffee, I love coffee too. So going to get coffee and having a conversation or even, you know, during the pandemic, it looked like getting on Zoom with somebody um, that maybe I didn't get to see all the time. But that's really, that's been really important to me. So those are probably my highlights, or at least what I try to do and sometimes do well and sometimes don't do so well. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I agree with all those for myself as well. Those are good ones. And the last question I wanted to ask you is, do you have a favorite scripture passage or one that the Lord is using in your life right now? Yeah. Yeah. So I knew you were going to ask me this and I like thought about it a lot because I'm, I'm definitely like definitives like that are really hard for me. Like I can never just choose one favorite. Um, but there's always been those certain passages that I feel like I've come back to over and over again. And so I was thinking through which ones and I was even thinking of that from like, okay, well, what's, what's speaking to me right now? Um, and so one of the ones I love in Ephesians three, um, Paul says that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Um, And I think like I... I feel like everybody's heard that one probably. And it's like, but but just this idea of like, I really can't imagine everything that God is doing. I know this version actually didn't use the word imagination. I sometimes we say we can do abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. And Mm -hmm. it's like, just that 
incredible creativity of God and him just going above and beyond our expectations and our hopes and our, and our dreams. And, um, I think that always encourages me. I mentioned really briefly just a few minutes ago, like our church is in a bit of a transition right now. And it's just like coming back to this and being like, yeah, but God does incredible things. And it's, you can't get outside of his love either that the part about like the breadth and length and height and depth, like his love is reaching every single nook and cranny of everything that's going on. Um, And so to even try to comprehend that, like I can't, but want to um, and want to experience that in a new way. Um, And trusting that, that, yeah, he still is who he is. And like, he'll still be just as good in the next thing, even if it looks different. So that's, that was the one that came to mind as I like really thought through this and and wrestled with what should, which one should I share? But that is one of my all time favorites. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about today that we didn't get to? I don't know. I think we hit some really good stuff. Thank you. I'm sure there are things that I'll be later like, oh, I wish I had said that instead of this. But no, I really, I really enjoyed it. Thank you for inviting me to be here. It's really fun. I'm glad you could. So, Is there like a website or anything that people can go check out if they want to know more about your photography business? Yeah, well, I am soon. Um, okay. <laughs> I've purchased a domain. Um, need to put the website together. So maybe even by the time this comes out in a couple of weeks, it'll be up. But um, MelissaLewisPhoto.com is going to be the website. Um, and in the meantime, I'm on Instagram and Facebook at MelissaLewisPhoto. Okay. Yeah, I'll thanks. link to that in today's show notes. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's fun. Thanks again, Melissa, for being on today's podcast episode. It was super fun to get to hang out and have this conversation with you and to get to share it with others. Friends, if you want to know more about what Melissa is up to, you can follow her on Instagram. I will link to that and to her new website on today's show notes. Well, friends, again, if you missed the beginning, this is the end of season three of the Pause Renew Next podcast. I'll be taking the months of June and July off to revamp some things and we'll be back with new episodes at the beginning of August. I will continue to be writing some blogs, so you can continue to check out my website, pauserenewnext.com. You can also find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you find that you're missing the Pause Renew Next podcast over the summer, please subscribe or go to the website. There are 60-something episodes that you can go back and listen to if you're missing us too much over summer vacation. Well, friends, it's been an honor and a joy to do this podcast. I've completely enjoyed getting to know my guests, learning more from my biography subjects, and I hope that you've enjoyed it too. Well, I'm Jenny Detweiler with PRN. Pause, renew, next. The podcast. May you be encouraged on your journey with Jesus. Jesus.